talking about the blood covenant tonight and how important that is and why the blood is so powerful and what it's doing today. But before we do that, I also had a, um, a devotion today out of uh, 19, uh, Exodus 19.5. And we're going to talk about covenant manifestation. God talking about in Exodus, if you would obey my word and do my, do my covenant, he's, he promised something to us. And so you and I, if we stand on God's word, there's a promise that God has given. And you know God's not a man that he can lie. So it must take place. So listen to this. And particularly as we have just ended 2023 and entered to 2024. And we're expecting God to bless us. We're looking for more in 24. All those and even dogs and cliches. But listen to this. Sometimes the Lord will cover you just to preserve you. You thought it was to destroy you, but it was designed to feed you and to get you ready for what's to come. There is a covenant manifestation that is going to take place to be to be released in your life. Promises will be fulfilled. Miracles will be performed. Finances will be multiplied and giftings will be activated. That's what I believe in God in 2024. And so, I'm, why? Because I'm in covenant with God. I have a covenant agreement with Him. He has one with me and I have with Him. And I trust Him based off of His Word. I believe Him by faith, according to Hebrews 11.6. It's impossible to please God without faith. So when my faith is being activated and is activated to believe God for His Word. So, we're going to talk about covenant tonight. We're going to talk about the blood covenant. And one of the things you're talking about, the most powerful thing in the universe is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was said by Lester Summerall many years ago. And I want to share with you that the blood covenant that he left with us and in place uh, is the reason that we have the relationship we have and what we've done. And I'd like tonight to just to be able to elaborate on it. I want you to get an understanding. That uh, and, and I love it because one of the things that we know is that it's our New Testament right. I even think about that in communion. He says, and as you prepare to drink of the cup, he says, this is your New Testament right, which means it's a right that never existed before. And it couldn't have existed because Jesus' blood, he hadn't gone to the cross, and his blood hadn't been shed yet. And so that night at the Last Supper is an illustration or uh, uh, um, of what is to come. And he has that moment in time with the disciples, and we get to experience in our lives, in our lifetime today. And so the blood covenant, the blood covenant is so, so important. So I want to share with you the beginning, the power of the blood and the attention uh, that it needs to be given to the church. So let us honor and plead the blood of the Lamb very relevantly uh, through the blood. When we talk about pleading, is sharing that. Uh, over the lives and in our lives that we declare that the blood still has power and is still working today. And I, I know it is because one of the things that tells me that when the Lord Jesus ascended on high, he left the earth. But before he left, he had visitations with his disciples and many others. And so it was illustrated that the holes were visible in them and there was nothing flowing out of them, which means the blood was shed there at Calvary. And it hit the same very dirt that he formed and fashioned man out of. 
And so the blood is still working, but it's working in the earth, not in heaven. Amen? And so that's important for us to know. That's why he went back with the blood of his body. But why he was here on the earth with his blood. And just to give you an illustration, so the blood, uh, uh, and, the, and just go, let me go back to the word reverence, is emotional and inspired, um, that is aroused by one deep respect for our Lord. So we want you to reverence God, and I want to get this understanding and clarity, because this when, when I'm talking about the blood of Jesus Christ and the legal basis of our faith. So in 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light, then he is the light, and we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the point I want to talk about, the cleansing, the cleaning. How many know that our blood, and this is why it's so important, that our blood that flows through our body and, and our veins is also as a cleansing agent to our body. And we know that people who go on to dialysis and things of that nature have to go in and have their blood uh, cleaned and re redone over and over because it's lost its potency and its power to what it's doing through the diabetes that, that affects it. But thank God for his blood, that perfect blood, that cleaning blood, that cleansing blood that has cleaned us and cleaned and still cleanses us today. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus that cleanses and wipes us that clean and keeps us in place for who we are. It is by blood, and I wanted to, I was going into the scriptures of Hebrews 9.22, and in Hebrews 9.22, it basically says this, and I'm going to read this out of the King James Version, and almost everything, almost all things are by the, the law are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Listen to this. Why this is so important? I take it all the way back to the beginning because God formed and fashioned man. We see that there's two perfect chapters in the Bible, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And by the time we get to chapter 3, we see man fall. And verse 315, God brings all the parties that are involved, the, the devil, the snake, Adam, and Eve. And he addresses all three of them. And he gives all of them a sentence at that meeting, and he sends all of them, and he tells the serpent that uh, you're going to get your head crushed, and you're going to bruise the heel of the, of the child, but he also mentions that there's going to be a child born of woman, and so this is uh, so important, because I want us to understand the purpose and the reason why Jesus exists, and why the blood is so powerful, so this is extremely important to the body of believers and to the Christians, that we stand on this because, you know, too many people are looking to uh, uh, so many other different things to get themselves to a place where only God can take them. And it's the blood that cleanses. It's the blood that wipes us clean. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us. And so through the remission of sin, it is the blood that was done. And so all of this makes sense from what happened in Genesis all the way what happens until uh, we get to the gospel and Jesus goes to the cross and faces death. And the reason he does and his blood is shed on our behalf, there is where it all takes place. And it is also the violation in which the devil does. Every one of us, you and me, are born into sin and our blood is not perfect. 
yet his was. And that was the blood. So the remission of sin and the cleansing is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want you to follow along with me. Why it's so important that we study the blood. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection are called of first and most and first importance. And so we know that he faced death on our behalf. He was buried. He told us that this would happen, and in three days he would rise. Not many people did not understand that. So death was defeated at the cross, yet most people think that it was just the killing of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, death was defeated there. Because he said, where's your sting? In other words, the last thing that hindered man in which all of us face physically, our bodies die, but our spirits live on. And so because of that, Jesus reclaimed uh, our spirits, those that would choose him, by what he did there on the cross on you and I's behalf. Amen? So Christ's death, so 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which was also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Right? Verse 4 in 15, 3 and 4 says, And he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. This is so important because I, 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 I tell people all the time, and this is not in the Bible that way. It is my Hollywood version of uh, God going down to hell, and uh, he was there on the cross. His blood was shed. Um, he now goes, the Bible says he had to first ascend, descend, before he could ascend. So descend means to go down. Ascend means to rise up. And so before he could go up, he had to go down. And what we know in that, and so out of that, I said my Hollywood version is that, that God goes down and he's now in Hades, Hades, and he's in the place where hell is, and he's there, and there's a party going on because they're celebrating, thinking they got the most powerful prophet that exists on earth. Okay? They had many, many prophets prior to this, 42 different generations prior to this prophets that existed, yet this one had done miracles and things that no one else had done, and now uh, the devil's celebrating because he thinks he has them, and he's down there, and he's actually walking down towards them, and so I, and I see these things of God, so now took three days, he's down walking towards these, the party's going on, and Jesus is heading towards the devil sitting on his throne, and he's just watching, looking at everybody, celebrate, and uh, Jesus is walking down the aisle towards him. And this, this again, this is my Hollywood version of this. And as he's doing this, he's walking down. And some of his imps, and these are imps are, are demonic demons, or they were angels that have been fallen, are looking at him. And they see him walking to try to stop him. And yet none of them can stop him. He just pushes them out of the way. Because why? His power still exists. Okay? He wasn't powerless. He was powerful. And so he actually, and, and he realizes that now, and he's in a dark place, yet he's still God. Well, y'all not hearing me because I found out something. Where light shows up, darkness is dispelled. And they're looking and see why isn't he turning or looking like us? Yet he continues towards them. And remember, this is my Hollywood version. And as he's going towards the devil, 
The devil was there sitting on the throne and he's looking at him and he's trying to figure out how does he keep coming and then no one can stop him. And then he gets right to him face to face. You gotta remember something. So that's the one thing. He faced him face to face. He faced him in the wilderness and he faces him again in hell. And he faces him and my thought again, Hollywood version, is he smacks him. Front with and then backwards. And then the devil has the keys. The keys to what? The keys to the kingdom that Adam gave up. Yeah. And Jesus snatches the keys back and says, these belong to me and my people. In other words, those that would choose me and receive me. This is the power. We're going to get there one by the blood. So he gets the keys back. And then the Bible tells me that he goes at this point, in three days he's going to uh, he, 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 he's resurrected. So in three days, he comes out of where he was. Now, by the way, according to the scriptures, he was in a tomb. He was in a dark place, right? And the tomb has is, is been rolled away. And because the tomb has been rolled away, he now is in, and they were able to come in. And light also is shining. But uh, I think we need to talk to you about the transformation. Because when he died, he died, Jesus, that was all whipped up and unrecognizable. The Bible tells me that every stripe, and I was talking about every whip, every beating, every bruise, every mark that was on his body represented things in our lives. Yet, when he's resurrected, there's nothing left except the holes. I believe that's significant because the holes represent that the body was no longer running off of blood. And that those that were present in that day and in that time could see that. The blood had been shed on the, in the earth. The very same dirt that man was formed and fashioned out of, the blood went back into. Mm -hmm. I believe that's super significant. So listen to this. So tell me that he died and buried. Paul makes reference of this very blood of God the Father in Acts 20, 28. He said, therefore, take heed to yourself that all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, the shepherd of the church, God, which he has purchased with his own blood. In other words, that's something I take to heart. That as a pastor, and I want to talk to leaders tonight, all the leaders understand that the sheep belong to God. And it is our job to shepherd them, teach them, preserve them, keep them, help them to get to where they need to be in Him. Hello, somebody. Somebody's going to get that in a minute. And so that's so important. And so uh, this is why we need to understand who we are and understanding the position but it was the blood that was shed there at Calvary all those years later. And that was a violation, as I shared with you. The reason it was a violation is that Jesus knew no sin. But we knew sin, or we were born into sin and iniquity, so that's why the, the, the pregnancy, the immaculate uh, pregnancy, pregnancy that took place with his mother Mary, uh, you know, although Joseph married her, Joseph was not Jesus' father because no man had touched her yet. 
And you see, so there was no violation whatsoever, just that the Holy Spirit impregnated her with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he let him come through the same process that you and I are birthed and born out of. You say, well, why is that significant? Because he too, he can relate to you and I. Why? Because he became us. He came through the same process of growing up. Really, the Bible tells us that when he was 12, he, although he didn't came through the processes in which we had, he was not us. At 12, he was living a walking scripture. He could quote the scripture from front to back. And they said he was in the synagogue talking as 12 years old. And nobody seemed to see how significant that was. They thought, well, maybe this boy just got a great memory. But he was God among them. He was God that was with them. And so in Luke 22, 20, said, likewise, he also took the cup after some saying, this cup is your New Testament in my blood, which was shed for you. And I like, again, so I'm taking us now to the New Testament point of that, how all the way fast forward, that you and I that are on the other side of the cross have the right to declare who we are and to be cleansed by the remission of sin because of the blood that was shed at Calvary on behalf of you and I. Had the blood never been shed, by the way, and we can go back to the beginning when they were doing what we call types and shadows. So you remember their doves and turtle doves and bullocks and all of these things that they were uh, utilizing and having that they would shed their blood and that was a type and shadow of what was to come. But those were all temporary methods. Mm. You see what I'm saying? They were all temporary methods in which the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, had given them through the law, had given them a direction. Why? He knew Jesus was coming, but they didn't know when and where. The devil didn't know when and where. By the way, when I told you about what happened, even at Calvary, when he was down there and he was on his way to take the keys back, the deadly enemy, the, 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 the very uh, demons that were down, along with the, the, with the devil, said, if we had known of who he was, we wouldn't have done it. But there was no calling it back. They had violated a principle in the kingdom by killing an innocent, perfect, sinless person. He came as a person, yet he knew no sin. So what he did was take on the sins of you and I. So his blood had to be shed in order for us to be cleansed. Now, he doesn't need blood in heaven because he's with God the Father. But the blood is necessary in the earth. I think we're the only beings within the earth that the bloods are necessary. Okay? And our bloods are pacific. And we have types. And so, although there's animals that have blood as well, their, their blood is not consistent with the blood of a human. <laughs> All by design, by the way. All by design. Oh, when I talk about the cleansing power of the blood, I'm thinking about how human beings are even created and fashioned and formed on the earth. Yet, right now, 
uh, when diseases and, and viruses and all that stuff comes to attack us. The white cell blood cells and the red blood cells, they start formulating gangs to go where? To start to attack it. That was all by design. Ah, let me help you all. We had a major catastrophe happening in the earth in 2020. Called COVID. COVID came. Well, COVID's still here. But COVID doesn't have the power that it had in 2022 or 20 because what the body has done to rise up against it and to put the immune system to protect us, that was all by design of God. And, you know, what I'm saying, greater is his blood than ours. Now, it takes us much, much, you know, to get stronger and stronger and more immune as we go along. Uh, you know, and even if you travel to different countries, there's certain things, the people that live there can drink the water, you can't. When you drink it, all of a sudden, you're sick. Why? Their bodies have built up the immune system based on where they are. Oh, that's a whole nother word. Because in our relationship with God, we need to get out the cleansing power. Okay, your power is able to adjust to all the stuff that exists in the bad world, in the dirty and dangerous world, is based on where you are in God. Mm. And how much the blood is working in your life. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is, I'm telling you, the blood covenant is real. It's still working. I have a question. Okay. So, the question is, when you speak about the blood and because of the covenant of Christ and his covering and his shedding of the blood compared to when they had to sacrifice animals for the sins that we committed and different animals had different status of, of covering and now because of Christ we no longer have to shed blood because his blood covers all sins. He was He's the final piece. So what you had there, let's go back and if you was if we were in the law and we looked at it, it had to be a first one. So it's the first. It's God's first son, his only begotten son. Right? It had to be without blemish. All your not so listen to me. No blemishes, no marks, nothing that would would cause it to be uh look shame. All of this was important, right? Because it's called a type and shadow. In other words, it's the type of and a shadow of what is to come. A shadow always represents what's not real. But it's also the shadow cannot happen unless light shines on something. And God is the light that was shining to give us the shadow of what he wanted to come. So what we see in those covenants of blood covenants of the early in the Old Testament is what he's preparing to happen. He's saying that so, and, they, and by the way, those were all temporal. That's right. Because they had to sacrifice. They were temporary sacrifices. Once Jesus came, it's permanent. It's done. There's, there, we don't have to, we don't need to go sacrificing every Sunday. We ain't got to do this every year. We declare Jesus as Lord and repent. And it's done one time. Because that blood is working in the earth realm, but it's through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that we invite back into our lives to give us the presence or to walk with the authority which he invested in our lives. From the beginning. So all of this was his intention.
from the beginning. So when I told you in 3.15, he told us that the enemy's head was going to be crushed and that the woman was going to have a child and bearing that and bearing the child, he would get his heel bruised. So death was only a bruise to mm. Jesus. <laughs> uh, let me help you out here. A bruise is a superficial wound to the capillaries underneath the skin. When the skin hasn't been punctured, the blood is not does not pour out. It just moves in a certain area in which it is, and all of a sudden, you know, depending on your skin color and texture, it turns purple or red, right? It's just a bruise, but the blood doesn't come out. So the bruise, and he says that your heel is going to be bruised. In other words, it was nothing going to be more than a bruise to Jesus. It was not life-threatening. It was not destroying of the blood. In fact, the blood would never be, be released because of the, when I said what he thought he was doing by destroying him. And so we know that happens. So, that, so now death is only when we get to, in, in the New Testament, we see Jesus on the scene. And he now at 33 has to experience going to the cross. Everything that happened in the Bible started there in 315. Another garden. So it, it ends in a garden or way something, and it began in the garden. And the conversation that he had with the serpent, Adam and Eve. And then it goes to the point where he's now in the garden and he's now been praying. And again, he's at a place and he calls, he asks the Lord, is there another way? And then and there, that's a military term there because when he gets there and under that, one thing that happens in the military is once you've been given an order and if you do not get a second order, you, the, the goal is to finish the order no matter what. In other words, if they said we're going to meet at this place and you got to leave that place, you got to get back to that place because that's where they're going to be looking for you at. And that's significant because I want to tell us that our future is behind us, yet we don't get there by going backwards. It's ahead of us. You say, well, that's an oxymoron. How do you do that? Well, what happened in the garden when he walked in the cool of the day with Adam is what he expects to do in the new heaven and earth in Revelations. But he's going to do it with more than just one person. With you, all of you and I. Those that have received him as the Lord Jesus. And so the blood, the blood, I want to just give you kind of a graphic. And this thing about a uh, archway. I wish I had a whiteboard up here uh, with me right now, but an archway. And on the archway, on one point, I got Jesus on one corner. I got atonement in the middle. And then I got blood on the other end, right? And so I want to show you how God sees it from above and how man sees from underneath. So let me give you man's version. Uh, underneath, we see sin, but Jesus covers that. Where the atonement is, we see fault. Where blood is, we see failings and failure, right? But look how God sees it. Holy, unblamed, unblemished and unblameable, and perfection. That's how God is and in his blood, right? That's what, that's the picture. And if I can show you that, that's, so we got one, one version or vision of that above and one underneath of the archway. 
of the rainbow, of the covenant. Yes, that's it. You got it. Of the covenant. And so, uh, you know, it's making me smile right now to be, to know that I have a covenant relationship with God. And although any given day uh, I may see some, some fault in something, God sees it, can see it unblemishable, and he can work on it. I see it as failing, and some failings, yet he sees perfection. And so as long as I, my faith is in God, I can have the perfection and not the fail. See, as, as long as I, I, I really have my faith in God, I can receive the atonement and not be at fault, but be, be unblemishable. You can see, uh, when I can see by faith, I can see Jesus and I believe Jesus, and I'm not walking in my sin because why? I've chosen Jesus to be Lord. So what, what happens now? Oh, I become holy. You said, holy, you holy. Yes, holy in him and because of him. I'm justifiable. I'm righteousness now because of him. So Jesus is the holiness of God extended to us. So the moment I received Jesus, the holiness that was in Jesus was in me. Hello? He provides the way because he is the way. John 15 tells me that he's the way, the truth, and the life. So he is the way. And I, and I love when we're talking about covenant and then talk about communion, anything that you have, when you take up and partake of it and then put it on the inside of you, what do we know about what we eat and drink? All right, thank you for asking. It becomes a part of us. Anything that we eat or drink becomes a part of us because it's on the inside of us. It's connected at that point. So the communing is a part of the concealing or confirming the covenant that we have with him. And so also when he said, drink of this and it represents my blood, this is your New Testament right. It's a right that never existed before because the blood had never been shed before. Not his. Oh, there were some bullocks. There were some turtle doves. There were some goats. There were some all. There was a whole lot of stuff. But none of them could do what his blood could do. They were all temporal. Yet now we have the unblemishable un and perfected perfection the Lord Jesus Christ, powerful blood working in us and on the earth today. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was a pastor. I was writing something in my notes. And uh -huh. I, was talking, I wanted to go to uh, the story with uh, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, the, ram, the ram went in place of Isaac because that was to represent a greater exchange that God was going to take on the sins of humanity. Not only was that the represent Isaac, let me go here. I just said to you about covenant manifestation. Yeah. What we thought was designed to destroy us was actually put in place that designed to feed you and to get you ready for what's to come. And using that story, Abraham is told by God to go to Mount Moriah. And when you get there, you're going to go to the place, prepare for a sacrifice. Take Isaac, 
the one you love. I need to know the most valuable thing you have. I want you to take it with you and sacrifice it. Abraham knows what he has to do from that day. Sarah says, hey, I want to go with you. She says, he says, well, you can't go. It's got to be me and Isaac. She said, Isaac, oh, no, you can't take him. She already knows. And uh, he said, no, it's God. The same God we trusted to get here. The same God we believe for everything he's done. He now I've got to trust him again. And so this, again, using that story, he now sees Mount Moriah. He gets there. Now watch the power of faith. He had two servants that went with him. He now sees the mountain. He's looking at the mountain, and he says to the servants, y'all can't go no further. Because God didn't tell him to take servants up on the mountain. He only told him to take Isaac. So he's being obedient. And he tells the servant, hey, glad y'all came with me, but y'all gotta stay here. Me and the lad will be back. How in the world can he make that statement if he believed that he was killing Isaac on the altar? He didn't. He believed that if he did kill him, God was going to resurrect him. And they were coming back. Because he went and he'd be, be obedient. And not only that, I don't need to just go to that story. It's a great one. Isaac, at the point you were talking about the power of blood, Isaac is not a kid. He's a grown man. He's much stronger than his father at this point. And he, he now willingly submits to his father because he saw the faith and the power of his father all this way. I'm saying, what happened to the church and the people of God and their faith? Or even the, the leaders and their fathers, the forefathers and the great men and women of God. Because what happened? We've lost our faith. Not only in God, but in the leaders that he sent. But I'm saying, there's a perfect example of man trusting blood of God and then trusting his father's provision and vision. Meanwhile, he takes him to the mountain. I don't want to go astray. He gets him on the mountain. And as you said, Isaac is laying on the altar. Abraham got the knife in his hand. According to scriptures in the book, read your Bible. He's got the knife in his hand. And he's getting ready to perform a sacrifice. And the word of the Lord came to him and says, Abraham, Abraham mentions his name twice. That's important. He says his name twice and he gets his attention. And he says, Abraham, stay the hand. In other words, don't move your hand. Don't do it. He says, so remember, God told him to take the sacrifice. But I want you to know that God's blood already provided the sacrifice. It always been in place. That's why he knew his son was coming. This again is a type and shadow. The bullock is there. He was there the whole time, but Abraham couldn't see him. Right? He's stuck. He's been stuck. And God says, look, Abraham, 
I provided a sacrifice. Somebody shout. Listen, so your blood, my blood, don't even, that didn't have to be shed. It was his blood that was shed on our behalf. It's his blood that's cleansing. It's his blood that gave us the remission of sin. It's his blood that is still working. It's his blood that is powerful. It's his blood that is cleansing. And it's still working today. And so that type of shadow again of what was to come, and it happened. It happened on Calvary. Young God for that hill. Everything that occurred had to happen. But all of it was in play because he prophesied it, that it would come. But more than that, many of us, you, we look at that and you would weep and seek it over. But it was more than, had he not done that, he would have never defeated death nor knew what it was like. Go ahead. You know, today I share that same thing with my leadership group. And I share from the perspective of being able to hear God. Because if Abraham wasn't in relationship with God, That's correct. and not able to hear what God is saying to him, he would have sacrificed his son. And sometimes because we don't not in a proper relationship with God, we do some things that he gave us directions for, but sometimes he may detour us because he knows what's to come and we don't know. And if we're not in tune and in relationship with him, we can miss. So it's called hearing the voice of God. And so what's happening is relationship is important. And if you're not in relationship with him, you can hear. And I want people, so I, I want to share just because trouble has showed up. Doesn't there you mean go. You miss God. That's right. Just because things have not worked out to what you thought was supposed to be. I just said there's some things that you think about it. You thought they were there to take you out or take you under. And there's some people right now, even within the church, we're getting some things confused. We need to be careful about not getting to a place of self-righteousness. But my righteousness only exists because of Jesus. That's right. Okay, not because of me. And he never left me to be in a place to just do all I want to do just on my own. I'm subject to those in authority and those that are connected with me and to me, although I'm a person. Now, I'm going to share that with you. He talks to, I got you, I got your question in a minute. But with that, I need y'all to see this. As he, as he heals uh, Jairus' daughter, he says to Jairus, you are a man of authority. Jairus is there with his men, all his men. When they, when he said move, they moved. He said turn left, they turned left. But yet Jairus says, I'm submitting. Somebody going to get this in a minute. I'm submitting my authority to your authority. The covenant that I told you from the beginning in a covenant agreement is usually one with greater authority. In this case, it is the Lord Jesus Christ, and his authority overrules us. And yet, in that, he, he never told J.R.'s men to still not submit to his authority, but his, J.R.'s recognizes that his authority is greater than his. 
And why am I saying that? We've lost perspective of our order in the church and in the kingdom. Go ahead. That's interesting, Pastor, that you said that because what I also got, we often don't think about this, but that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all of them were men of authority, but so were their children who grew up to be men. Because God gives us all the authority in God. There you go. When he took his son up to that mountain, you said that he wasn't a child, he was grown. He was a man. And he had had authority, but he became obedient to the authority of his father to go up to this mountain. He knew the season and the time, because it was that's what took place at that time. He did not buck, he did not complain. The word only said he asked any questions on the way up there. He didn't ask the question until he was at the place of suffering. <laughs> but he never left it. So he was obedient all the way up to that point. And, God, and, and there was a perfect example of being obedient to authority even when you don't understand. So obedience and all of those things that you said, that was a good point because we now live in a society in a place where the uh, parents are challenged by their children. Authority um, workers um, are challenged their, their, their bosses. Okay, all of this has come against so we've lost the perspective of order because of the things, the way people think and what they do. And what it, again, it becomes a violation of principles within, I'm not making just because somebody has a title or position that they're degraded, but I, you know, I don't care what nobody says. My mother will always be my mother. And I will not disrespect my mom. And if my mom smacked me upside my head, and, uh, and for no reason, and I'd be mad, I, I still wouldn't put my hands on my mother. I just have to take it. Why? Because I respect her authority. I don't even know why she did it. I don't respect because she's my mom, right? Now, I, and I say that because we've now allowed our anger, our all these other things to take it in and take us away from purpose. And you know, you said something very important, principles. God has set principles in place, even under unsovereign people. Let me, let me direct about principles. Principles are unbreakable. Laws you break. You cannot break principles. So, so you, I, I was you cannot do them, they're not going to take effect, but you can't break them. That's so, right. when I'm talking about breaking a law, so one law, and I like to use this to give you an illustration, the law of gravity says if you could, um, anything that's up and has weight, okay, and if it's suspended in the air without any type of support, it's going to fall. That's the law of gravity, right? But I can violate the law of gravity by putting an airplane in the air with the law of thrust. So I can take another law to violate this law, right? But it's not supported by anything other than it's a violation of the law. There's no physical being keeping it up in the air other than the law of thrust, right? But the moment thrust kicks out, the moment thrust kicks out, the plane's coming down. That's what's happening in the earth. And, and, and as you said, 
this is what we're missing right now in society. And but go back to why I'm talking about this. The blood covenant. Right. Where does the blood come from? And who did it come from? And why did it come? It came from the Lord Jesus. And it came with a purpose of altering to direct our lives because of the fall. It needs to lift us back up. God. And it's the only thing we can do. That's right. Amen. Well, it's not a question. It's basically a comment. I mean, you said something about when you, um, your mother corrects you or whatever, you know, um, you just take it because it's, but the real problem with society. But we don't want to take that today. It's like feelings. And when we get our feelings involved, that's where the issues come in. And that's so, so crucial when you talk about that. The Bible says take no offense. We got more people with feelings and taking on offense huh. and getting nothing accomplished. And even against God. And hold it. How about this one? Hmm. Oh, that was, we talked about that today. So, you know, we're dealing, I'm, I'm dealing with people and situations and somebody can even make a statement. You know, I once heard a, a preacher, well-known preacher, good man too, right? He said, you know, he had lost somebody close to him. He had to do that funeral that day. And he even said at the funeral, this guy was a good man. And he said, he said, I don't understand why he had to go. And he said, I know about a hundred other people. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. And better qualified. Wow. <laughs> he, he said, but that wasn't what the Lord did. So we questioning what he did in the time in which he did it in. And at the end of the day, how in the world could we know better than the creator mm. or the universe? So, but you know what happens is we get stuck in selfishness or that which we like and that which we think should be but I can't. My thoughts cannot overrule his thoughts. That's right. Can't happen. Won't happen. So, tonight, and uh, I'm getting ready to end here shortly, but, you know, really just talking about the blood covenant. This was this was so powerful. There's more to come in the next couple of days. But I want to say, finish these last few lines. We are accepted by God because Jesus is holy. And we're covered by his righteousness because that God sees us exactly as he sees Jesus. So, below the arch is a way in which we view the eyes of man who looks at the outer, outer sin, fault, and failures from underneath. Accusations comes against us and from people and from Satan. I love that because, let me share with you, I read in the scriptures the accuser of the brother is Satan. And so when people are always making accusations or saying, I just like I'm I'm perplexed with people who go out of their way to make up things about somebody else. Like I'm I'm just perplexed. Like why why waste that energy and that time? But I thank God for Jesus being a sacrifice for you and I. Which, listen, is that because of Jesus' sacrifice, which was the atonement for our sin, that blood that needed to be shed, God can look down upon all that happened in the normal course of our life, and our sins are hidden from him because he knew that the blood 
was designed to cleanse the sin. And because he shed it, he sees it as done. You got to receive it as done. This is the God's love, providing a way so that he does not have to continually punish. He doesn't have to continue. He's released it. This is his way of providing for our acceptance in the most holy place where he is present in the clouds above, the place of mercy. We didn't get it because we deserve it. We got it because he loved us and his grace and mercy was in play. You can't earn this thing because you do right. So this isn't about works. But it is about what you believe. For him that believed can receive. That's right. So I hope tonight that the blood covenant blessed you. I hope tonight that you can you got a, another strength of belief and faith and confidence in God and in the season and it's your turn. Why take this year to be your year? I'm declaring this to be my my best year ever. It's a, it's a year I've never lived never seen before, and I'm going to walk in this thing like I never did before. And I think I'm believing God to elevate me and do things in my life like never before. I declare that for you. But it's because of the blood. The blood that's been shed on behalf of you and I. I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about these things and teaching his word. So I want to tell you tonight before we leave the air is that the blood is still working. Blood still has power. And had it not been for the blood, where would I be? Mm. Where? Just where? So, I hope to see you next week. Tuned in to the same uh, channel, same station. And tune in to us to receive what God is doing uh, here at Harvest. And we're going to continue the blood covenant next week. Further, some more. Uh, I want to elaborate on it again and take it from a different perspective. And so, again, I hope to see you here next week. Well, come out and visit us on Sunday, 10:30 a.m. We start our service, our worship service. 11 o'clock, we'll be up sharing the word. So, powerful place uh, where God's word is the authority and people are the priority. In other words, everything we do is based off the kingdom word. It's what we believe. Amen. Come and participate with us. Also, I pray that you'll sow a seed into our ministry to continue to strengthen what we're doing here. And so I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next week. God bless you. Have a great, great night. Yeah, you all.
man, there's things coming out of my mouth that I, I, I didn't think were ever going to come out. That's how stronger things are getting for me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what it's about.